Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 161, and out of the mean streets of South Central Nebraska, we have Jake Nannan, the head girls basketball coach at Superior High School in Superior, Nebraska. I got that last name right, didn't I, Coach? You did, Marty. Sounds yes. perfect. All right. Very good. Uh, had to rehearse that a couple of times before we started recording. So uh, really excited to have Jake on here uh, this week. Uh, really excited to have Jake uh, speak at our coaches clinic on Saturday, the April the 1st. Um, Going to come in. At, at what's your topic again, again, Jake? I can't remember. We're going to do small-sided games for individual and team development. Yeah. All right. So if you like what Jake has to say here today... Uh, come in and watch him speak at the clinic for 45 minutes or so uh, in in a few weeks. And if you don't like what Jake has to say here today, well, thank God we have five other people talking that day, and then you can go watch other people talk. So, no, I'm just kidding. I know Jake's <laughs> going to do a great job here. So, uh, before we get uh, going and talking with Coach, uh, of course, we want to thank our founding sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha, Nebraska. Coaches, if you are a athlete of yours is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi. Uh, check out their practice at cosacchiro.com, K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Or to make an appointment, give them a call at 402-964-0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, obviously, you're listening. Go to iTunes. Uh, download, rate, review, and probably bigger than anything, subscribe to a pen and a napkin podcast so that you can uh, so you can help me out. Please help me out here. Uh, get a you know get on there, subscribe. So as soon as a new podcast drops, you know when it pops up here, and it helps us move up in the rankings. When folks are looking up coaching uh, podcasts, uh, pen and a napkin sneaks up there a little bit higher, which means more people get to listen to it. And it's just all good for everybody. So. Uh, questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, email me at pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Check out a pen and a napkin.com. It's a website. It's a good website. I know it's a good website because I built it and I think it's still functioning. Haven't done much with it lately. Been a little bit busy with my own season, but here in a few weeks, we'll get back to putting new things and new concepts and new ideas on the website. Jake, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's time to get after it here, both, uh, on the podcast and, uh, and and postseason time for both of us here in, in less than twenty four hours, um, we're gonna find out if, if if our seasons are done or if we get to keep moving forward here. So how you feeling, man? We're feeling great. Uh-huh. Picked up a win in our last regular season game last week, and we've got some familiar foes in our sub district. So just doing some extra preparing and yeah. getting ready to compete. Yeah. Uh, we play a school that we haven't played in, in about three years, I think. It was uh, uh, the last game that the previous coach coached against uh, before I uh, took over the program. So um, haven't played them. Um, you know, we'll go out and see what we can do. And, and uh, uh, it's going to be a tough challenge for us. We're, we're a little beat up right now. We've had some injuries and things like that with our team. But it's like I told the kids today, hey, no excuses. We've got to find a way to get it done. It's a, it's a 32-minute season. Let's go out. Let's play hard. And play with some joy and, and, uh, told them that, you know, you know, the coaching, the coaching stuff's done. 
now it's it's you know the postseason is turned over to the players, and and the players got to go out and and this is this is the time of year that the players look forward to the most, or they should be looking forward to the most. So that's that's a little pep talk that I gave my kids here today. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see if I look like a a basketball dunce or a basketball genius here in the next few days. So we'll see we'll see what happens. So. Um, well, Jake, really excited to have you on the pod here uh, tonight. Uh, you've done a really good job down there at uh, Superior High. Um, you know, we'll, we'll start this one the same way we start most of our podcasts here. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your basketball journey, how you ended up being the girls' basketball coach at Superior High. Sure. So, went to college up at Morningside College in Sioux City, Iowa, and okay. had a chance to play basketball up there under head coach Jim Sykes, mm-hmm. who now is the... AD mm-hmm. up at Morningside College and my senior year I decided that basketball wasn't for me mm-hmm. um, I had reached I had learned my limits and that was when I really started to branch off into the coaching world mm-hmm. my senior year of college and it had been something that I've kind of been in my family's bloodlines I had a couple of uncles my grandpa was a coach here in the state of Nebraska at the high school level so that's how I kind of got my coaching foot into the door. And I started off as the JV boys coach at a small 1A school in Iowa, uh-huh. Sioux Christian High School. Yep. And that's where I really started to develop some of my own thoughts and ideas stemming from Coach Sykes at Morningside. And once I did get a chance to graduate, I headed back to Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh-huh and joined Alex Baugh's crew at Lincoln Southwest High School mm-hmm. on the boys' side. And that's when I really started to get my eyes open to some different conceptual-based offenses, some great strategies for team building. And Coach Ball really opened my eyes to a lot of great things um, on the offensive side of things. Mm-hmm. And after a year with Coach Ball at Lincoln Southwest, I moved across town to the good old alma mater of Lincoln Southeast High School, mm-hmm. and spent a year there as the boys' JV coach under Jonah Bradley. Okay. And after a couple of years of learning from some great coaches, um, really starting to develop my own philosophy, I decided I wanted to get some head coaching experience mm-hmm. and did some research on a town right on the border of Nebraska and Kansas, about <laughs> 2,000 people. Um, saw they just had a great tradition on the girls' side of athletics, and took a leap of faith. And it's been a great three years down here, mm-hmm. learning, developing with the players. And, yeah, that's a snapshot of just some of my past experiences that have kind of helped me get to where we are today. Yeah. See, now, if, if I'd have known that you were a Morningside guy, uh, as, a, <laughs> as a Briarcliff graduate, um, I won't mention what year I graduated, but uh, let's just say – uh, Moses just came down from the mountain. Uh, yeah. But, uh, no, I'm just giving you a hard time. You know, Morningside's got a great tradition, great program over there. Uh, they're they're just the second best college in, in Sioux City. That's all. That's, that's all I'm going to say there. So, but, uh, uh, no, that's, a, that's, that's good stuff. So, you, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned um, your alma mater, uh, Lincoln Southeast. I want to talk a little bit about there. You know, Jeff Smith been around a long time, really successful program. I believe multiple state championships there. Uh, even before you got into coaching, uh, you know, obviously a lot of us are influenced by our high school coaches. And, and so, what are some things that you took from from Jeff that maybe you use today uh, with the young ladies at Superior? 
Yeah. You know, growing up, especially in the, the high school ranks, um, Coach Smith really just taught us how to be a respectable young adult, mm-hmm. how to do things properly off the court, and how they really could connect to what you're doing on the basketball court. Mm -hmm. So just along with some life skills, um, he really taught me a lot about how to see the game Mm -hmm. on the court and the importance of work ethic. Mm -hmm. That's something that we hang our hat on down here in Superior, Mm -hmm. is being the hardest workers on the court. And I think a lot of that stems from what I learned from Coach Smith. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, Marty, Coach Smith, just has X's and O's down to a T. Mm-hmm. Um, I was exposed to so many various offenses in high school that it really opened my eyes to all the possibilities of things we could do um, as a team. We were always very versatile on offense. Coach Smith did a great job of having us versatile and ready on the defensive side of things. So, I mean, the advice and learning that I received from Coach Smith down at Southeast was just huge Mm -hmm. for wanting me to get involved in coaching yeah um what about uh you know you you mentioned you you were with uh alex uh for one year at southwest correct yeah what what were some things that uh and and you kind of talked a little bit about it uh but if you want to you know if you could expand on it a little bit um what are some things that you took from from alex ba that you're you're now integrating into your own program yeah from coach ba His program has always been about transition basketball, especially on the offensive end. Mm -hmm. And just being exposed to his techniques and strategy to teaching transition basketball Mm -hmm. and learning the different points of emphasis that he wanted his players to do Mm -hmm. um, was just invaluable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of those key points would be really making sure that you're always looking to hit ahead in transition that you're always making sure you're sprinting your lanes high and wide, not jogging, sprinting, and really just having that overall philosophy of making sure that you're sharing the ball in transition. Mm-hmm. Um, along with that, he really opened my eyes to a lot of different things that we can do offensively when it comes to conceptual offense, mm-hmm. as opposed to your continuous offenses, yeah. running a set play every time down the floor. Station to station so, stuff, yeah. Exactly. He yeah. he really taught me a lot about having a free-flowing offense, letting players play within structure that also gives them some freedom. Mm-hmm. So Coach Ball really opened my eyes to a lot of different offensive things that have helped me down here in Superior mm-hmm. offensively. And, the, and then, the, you know, the other guy that you mentioned, uh, my, my, favorite, uh, my favorite barbecuer, my favorite grill master here, uh, and, 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 and former guest on a pen and a napkin, coach Boone came on and, and, and we've stayed in contact, uh, uh, over the time, over time and, uh, just a great guy. But, uh, you know, uh, not a lot of people know about Jim and, uh, I really didn't know about him. And, and then, uh, he was, you know, I, I went to, uh, one of those Nike coaches clinics or whatever in Kansas city about five, six years ago. And I thought, okay, you know, this is probably a guy I could probably skip or whatever. You know, that's what I was honestly thinking going into it. And man, within like four minutes of listening to him talk, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just got tractor beam on, on, on Coach Boone. So uh, what, what have you taken from Coach Boone uh, down there at uh, Arkansas Fort Smith? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So first and foremost, I have listened to that podcast you had with Jim Boone. Um, I think I've I think I've maybe covered every possible podcast and video that Jim Boone has 
<laughs> yeah. And to answer your question, Coach, to put it lightly, I have taken a lot from Jim <laughs> when it comes to our defensive philosophy. Uh-huh. Um, I just love, and we can maybe get into that later if we talk about yeah. some defensive things, but I just love his style of defense. I love his tenacity. I love his terminology. Mm-hmm. So to be quite frank, Coach, um, these couple of years down here in Superior that I've spent have been based heavily off of Jim Boone's defensive principles and ideas within his pack line. Yeah. Well, so, man, I'm jealous of you. I, I need to. I need to have a conversation with that man sometime. Well, he, he's very gracious with his time. He, he's he's a, he's a really terrific guy, and uh, uh, you know, you, you kind of bring up an interesting uh, thought. You know, how uh, as, as a younger coach, you know, how how important has it been for you to find a a coach that you admire that you you like their style now you 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 have to be yourself you you have to be jake he's got to be jim i've got to be marty you know so forth and so on but like for me uh when i was coming up and again his his personal issues aside i mean i was a i was a big time rick patino disciple and and still believe in a lot of his basketball concepts and philosophy and 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 those type of things but um you know, so so that's kind of a guy that I modeled some of the things that I wanted to do. How important has that been for you to kind of have that north star of, well, when in doubt, what would Jim Boom be doing right now? Type of a thing. Yeah, I think it's huge, especially as a young coach. I think it's very important to get a lot of exposure to a lot of different styles and concepts for things you want to do offensively and defensively, and. Over time, you start to connect those different pieces, and you're really pulling from a lot of different people uh-huh. and their ideas. Uh-huh. But I think it's important through trial and error um, as a young coach to really think critically about what works best for you, uh-huh. how it can connect best to your team, and continue to expose yourself to these new these new ideas as you continuously learn. Yeah. And as you mentioned about have someone, somebody like Jim Boone, whose principles you really connect to and believe in, um, that's a piece that you can almost always fall back on if some of the new things you want to try and experience don't go as you plan. Yeah. So I think just kind of having that safety net as something and someone's philosophies that you really believe in um, are huge. Mm-hmm. How, how uh, again, as a, as a younger coach, and I, and, and I think what – you know, if I had to do my younger years over again, uh, well, there's numerous things that would be done over again differently. But as a younger coach, anyway, uh, I, I think kind of the hard thing is you're you're enthusiastic, you're energetic, you you want to do all of these things. But I think one of the things that that I wish I would have done differently was narrow that down a little bit is that something that you kind of see yourself with or or do you feel like you've been pretty disciplined with you know we're we're gonna do as much as we can but we don't want to try and do too much you know what's that process been like for you as you've developed your philosophy as a younger coach yeah i think when you're young and you have all of these new experiences coming at you 100 miles per hour Uh it's looking back at it now it goes perfect with the phrase of you don't know what you don't know Mm -hmm. as you're collecting all of these different plays, concepts, defenses. I think it's pretty easy as a young coach to get overwhelmed. Yeah. And 
that leads to overwhelming your players. Yep. So I think I definitely fell guilty to that, Marty, early in my career, uh-huh. um, trying to do too much and in turn not making it a great experience for my players in regards to what we were doing offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. So as time has gone on, I think we've definitely done a nice job of simplifying the game mm-hmm. to where we feel really comfortable. But there's no doubt that it was a lot of trial and error and a lot of growing these last couple of years because it's very exciting to get your own team, as sure. you know. Yeah. You've had all these ideas just going through your brain for a couple of years and you're ready to try them out. Yeah. But you learn pretty quickly that keeping it simple has way more benefits than overloading your players. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, even when you're experienced, and you know, Jake, that's the word that we use here on a pen and a napkin. It's not the O word, <laughs> it's the E word. Uh, y- you catch yourself, you know, going into uh, to, to district play here in the postseason, as you know, uh, we're, we're seeing a certain type of thing, and we have. You know, I had three or four ideas written down. Okay, well, yeah, I can have those three or four ideas, but can my kids do it? No. Okay, what's the one thing that I think is the best idea that we need to do? Okay, let's do this one thing and let's really work on this for three days until we feel like our kids have it. And then let's hopefully, you know, it works here the next couple, you know, the next few days or so. And so I even even when you're the E word and not the young word, um, you know, you fall into that trap as well, and you, and you have to stay disciplined with it as well. And sometimes, as you even as you get older, you you're like, well, I've learned this, and I saw Superior play, and I really like this set that they ran. Well, you know, you don't want that paralysis by analysis. You just got to narrow that that stuff down, and, and that's that's hard to do. That's that's really hard to do. So, um, you uh, how how many of the Meyer girls did you coach? Did you coach one or both of them? So. I only got the opportunity to coach one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went down to Ole Miss, and she's playing volleyball down there, right? Yes, Shayla's down at Ole Miss right now. Yep. Correct, playing yep. volleyball. And- yep. Um, you know, how much do you think, you know, those kids, and, and uh, what was Shayla's older sister? Is it, it's, it's not, uh, I can't remember now. But she was, like, super, like, athlete of the year two or three times in a row in the state and all of this other stuff, um, you know, being in a smaller town, you, you, you were in Morningside, you were in Sioux City, bigger city, you're, you went to Lincoln Southeast, you coached at Lincoln Southwest. Uh, how has that experience been different for you when you have a, a, a great athlete like that? And, you know, if she's at Southeast or Southwest, there's a chance that that kid's going to be pushed into specializing into volleyball or track or or basketball even, you know, and you would be the beneficiary of it if you were at Southwest. But how how is that being in a small town able to help the entirety of the programs uh, in your town to to share those athletes and to make sure that uh, those kids don't feel pressured to specialize in one thing or another? Yeah, that's a great question, Marty. And First and foremost, you learn pretty quickly that without those talented players and talented families in these small towns, um, you you learn quickly you wouldn't win very very many games. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, we're blessed with a lot of great talent on the girls' side down here in Superior. And to touch on your point, um, we're we're very encouraging of players that are multi sport athletes. Mm-hmm. We want those kids to play 
volleyball, to uh-huh. do track and field, to be in FFA and FBLA. And in these smaller communities, it's great to see everybody is in full support of that. Uh-huh. And it's a situation where I think everybody can benefit when these very talented players are playing multiple sports because one, it helps them on the basketball court, selfishly speaking. And two, it just raises the town's overall accomplishments. So that is definitely one thing that's been a little bit different. Um, moving to a smaller town is just the community support and the, I guess you can say, encouragement for all athletes, regardless of class, age, sport, to participate in all these different activities mm-hmm. is great in these small towns. Mm-hmm. Coaches, you know what that song means. It's time for the third annual A Pen and a Napkin Coaches Clinic. This year's clinic will take place on Saturday, April the 1st at Fort Calhoun High School in Fort Calhoun, Nebraska, just 20 minutes north of downtown Omaha. We've got a great lineup of speakers, starting with three great on-court demonstrations. Dick Jungers, the head girls basketball coach at Newell Fonda, Iowa, will start the day off with the ins and outs of his full-court run-and-jump defense that has led to multiple state championships. Dexter Goodner, the head girls basketball coach at Orton, Nebraska, will highlight his favorite shooting drills and his favorite sets, while Zach Foster, the head boys basketball coach at Hastings Adams Central High School here in Nebraska, will be showing us his 1-3-1 defense and the ins and outs of the mentality of shooters. One of the unique things about the Appendant and Napkin Coaches Clinic are our lunch classroom sessions. This year, we've got three great coaches giving classroom presentations. Brett Watson, the boys' head basketball coach at Waukee Northwest High School in Waukee, Iowa, just outside of Des Moines, is going to talk about coaching the mental game. Jake Nonnen, the head girls basketball coach at Superior High School here in Nebraska, is going to talk about developing your team and individuals through small-sided games, while Kylie Yates, the boys basketball coach at South O'Brien High School in Paulina, Iowa, is going to talk about implementing and also attacking the 2-3 zone. In addition to our presenters, we also have two designated breakout sessions where you will get the opportunity to discuss various topics with other coaches attending the clinic. These sessions are a great way to pick the brains of your peers at the clinic, and it's one of the most enjoyable points of our annual show. After a long day of learning about hoops, it'll be time to kick back and relax, and we'll be having an optional post-clinic social at the Longhorn in downtown Fort Calhoun, where we will be enjoying the opening game of the Men's Final Four from Houston. It's $15 per coach to attend the post-game social. Our Appendant and Napkin Clinic is one of the most affordable clinics in America. For over seven hours of learning, we only charge $45 for the first coach. Think about that. That's about $6.50 an hour to come in and gather all this great information. If you bring in two coaches from the same staff, we bring that down to $85 for two coaches. $115 for three coaches from the same staff. And if you bring four or more coaches from your staff, it's only $35 per coach. Think of it. That's $5 an hour that you're paying for your staff to come in and have a great day. If you're interested in signing up for our pen and a napkin clinic, look at our flyer on Twitter and mail it in, print it off, send it in. Or you can DM me on Twitter 
at a pen and a napkin, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Registrations are due by Thursday, March the 30th, 2023. Coaches, don't miss out on one of the best coaches clinics in America. Come check out the a pen and a napkin coaches clinic. Third year, uh, Shayla graduated last year. Uh, and now you, you're, you're kind of moving on to the next edition. I always kind of feel like a, a lot of high school teams in most communities kind of go in like two year cycles. You know, here's our team, you know, basically our team for, uh, these two years. And now we're going to look like this for the next two years in most cases, not in all cases, but in, in a lot of cases. And, and so you're kind of on your first, uh, new group, so to speak. Now you, 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 You've inherited a group. I think I saw on the Twitter machine there that uh, this group went undefeated at the JV level last year or something like that. So obviously there's some talented kids there. You got a little bit of balance back with some kids back from your team last year. Um, you know, so so what has that process been like for you for your kind of first big experience of, and I'm going to use air quotes here through the phone, Jake, uh, reloading and retooling your team and having a new addition of 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 the the superior girls basketball team without uh that super stater in the middle there with the you know and and having to do things a little bit differently yeah so when you lose a player of shayla's caliber i mean obviously there's going to be some holes that you need to fill Mm -hmm. we've been lucky enough where we've had some talented players in the junior high ranks that the junior high coaches have done a great job with we have some returners that have been through the fire these last couple of years with Shayla Mm -hmm. and her class. So we were lucky enough to still have the talent. And really the question that me and my assistant had to answer was, you know, how can we put these kids in the best possible situation to be successful on the court? Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, most of that just came through our basic offensive principles and some slight changes on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Um, with Shayla being such a dominant force inside, we really had to think about how we could give our now smaller team some more space mm-hmm. on the perimeter yeah. and how we could really look to speed some opponents up mm-hmm. with more of a quicker, smaller team. Mm-hmm. So really, Mario, to answer your question, um, although it was kind of a bit of a reload, mm-hmm. we always had a lot of confidence and the expectations remained high to continue our success even after losing a great player like Shayla was for us. Yeah. Was it uh how did you communicate and it made me I don't know if that's the right word or not but you know sometimes you know the the success that a kid or a team or a or a class may have at the freshman level doesn't always translate to let's say the JV or the varsity level. So what are some things that you felt like you and your staff did a, a good job of to, to prepare these kids to make that step of moving up from, hey, we were really successful at JV, but now it's time to step it up another level and, and be ready to go at the varsity level? Yeah. One thing that I think was big for us was even when we had Shayla inside, we still had those other players around her developing mm-hmm. through competitive practices through some different individual and team skill drills. Um, Summer development was critical for us. So even though we lost a big post-dominant player inside, um, we were confident that even some of these players that might not have got that scoring experience still had great 
experiences in, a, in intense district final games mm-hmm. and the conference tournament and really learning how to play at that speed through trial by fire and competitive practices. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the perks of coaching in a small town is with your smaller roster size, those kids are competing day in and day out with the quote-unquote varsity starters. Yeah, good point. And you know as well as I do the old saying, iron sharpens iron. Yep. So even though they might not have seen that success on the varsity court directly, they were getting so much better in practices every day and pushing themselves against the higher level of competition, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, we were talking before we started recording kind of where your team is at uh, when it comes to uh, what we have here in Nebraska, our, our, our system, uh, it's the wild card system is what we call it in the state. And there's a whole bunch of math to it and hangers on and swing game, you know, just all this stuff that, that history nerds like me have a hard time doing math with, but, uh, you're, you're, you are, uh, you know, for, for for folks that don't understand what's going on here in Nebraska, your team is on the proverbial bubble, so to speak. Is that is that a good way to say it, Jake? Is is you guys are kind of on the bubble here uh, for trying to get into that district championship game, depending on what happens in your sub district? Yes, I would actually say that's the perfect word for where we're at right now. Ah, so just call me Joe Lenardi as well. So okay. some bracketology. Yeah, there you is. go. Some bracketology. So, um. You know, as you're developing your team, as you're doing this and doing that, uh, has it been difficult to keep an eye on your own team and and focusing on the the, the task at hand? But also, there's probably got to be a little bit of you that's kind of got an eye on. Okay, uh, if we're the if we're the twelve and this carries out the way I hope, uh, we're going to be playing the five, and I wonder what. You know, West High, you know, what what do they really do? How much do I invest in taking a look at them? Maybe just getting a game film just to have an idea. You know, you know, are, are you kind of playing those two worlds at once? Or is it just all about, hey, let's just take care of business right here, right now with what's in front of us? Yeah. So right now we're currently in the mindset of taking care of business, what's right in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, with our sub-district, like I mentioned before, with those other three teams and us, they're familiar foes for us. Yeah. So the scouting becomes a little bit shorter. You're more trying to understand some of the small tweaks that they've done, how they beat us the first time, how we can improve upon them the next time. Um, but I'd be lying to you, Marty, if I, I didn't have my calculator out, working the numbers, <laughs> trying to figure out where we might be seated uh-huh. for a potential district final here uh-huh. in the near future. There's no doubt. Yeah. I I have uh, I've, I've been if if you if you've been in the state you've been there done that you're you're like uh, Alan at the blackjack table from The Hangover uh, you know you got all these math uh, equations rolling through your head and stuff like that so uh, yeah, I, I, I've seen that meme I think yeah it's yeah hilarious. yeah that's uh, yeah if you if you if you've ever been here you you know exactly what we're talking about so uh, it's it's hard it you you have to stay disciplined and and I think the message to your team is. Hey, we can't control any of that other stuff. If we just do what we're supposed to do, then all of this stuff will be all this stuff will work out. Has that kind of been the message you've given to your team? Yes. I mean, we've kind of talked about whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get the win and move on to the next round is what we have to do. Mm-hmm. And luckily for us, um, Marty, and you're probably in the same shoes, is once some district play is over this week, 
you kind of get that week to do some extra scouting mm-hmm. on your district final opponent to prepare for them a little more thoroughly. So I think the timing of our sub-district this week and the district final at the end of next week also kind of help us maintain that focus on the task at hand. Yeah, it's it's so far away that you don't have to put that emphasis on it. You're not worried about it. You can lock in on the four or five other teams that are in your sub-district before you move ahead to, and you got seven or eight, nine days before you have to worry about who you would play in that district final. So that that, that makes perfect sense right there, Jake. Uh, and uh, yeah, hope you're there next Friday night, man. Oh gosh, that'd be great. I hope you guys are too. Yeah, well, we, 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 we got some work ahead of us here. We'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do with it. So yeah, brand new season. Yeah, you know, and, and that's what we told our kids. You know, it's it's a 32-minute season. Uh, right now, everybody's at a 32-minute season. That's the way you have to do it. Uh, we, we just talked about um, everything that we've done. You know, we've had a 22-game preseason uh, setting up the real season right now is is the way we've tried to put it. And, and all we've talked about is, you know, getting better, getting better, getting better, get 1% better. And and, and now we, we change that vocabulary a little bit. With, and, and, and it's a fine line. You don't want to put too much pressure on your kids. Right. But, you know, hey, we have to win. We have to win to keep our season alive. And so everything that we're going to do from here on out is about winning the next game. And I think – and that's about all you bring it up, I think. Uh, it, the, it's you've, you've said it. You've put it out there. You don't want to beat it. Uh, into their heads too much because then they're like, oh my gosh, if I don't do this, I'm not going to play. And if I don't play, we're not going to win. I think there's a fine line between between balancing those emotions of let's just go out, let's relax, let's play with joy, let's play with energy, and let's have some fun here. And this is where, you know, the, this is where the game is truly turned over to the players. But they also have to understand that, hey, Mary, maybe you're used to playing 12 minutes a game. Well, tonight it might only be six because, you know, we're, we're looking at this one a little bit differently. Is that some of the talks that you've had with your kids as well, Coach? Yeah, and Coach, I really liked your point um, on the 22-game preseason and kind of viewing that as the practice or rehearsal, so to speak, before the big show this week. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I think I might steal that phrase. I really, <laughs> I really like that analogy. Oh, thank you. And yes, you know, all year with our group, we've just been talking about that next play mentality. Yep specific to the court obviously but also having that fresh restart in your mind whether it's after a tough loss and you're hitting the road the next day or maybe just having a rough practice Mm -hmm. and having to turn it around the next day to get a little bit better so i think you're right on the money there marty with making sure that you're not making it too big of a deal as you know as if it's like a life or death situation but I do think just stating it and mm-hmm. understanding the importance of it is critical for the week. Mm-hmm. Coaches, do you want to look good? Pfft, stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. You know what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really, really good-looking stuff here. We've got T-shirts and sweatshirts, and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good-looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. 
might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some of Pen and a Napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, send me a direct message, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some a pen and a napkin merchandise. All right, Jake, at this time, we're going we're gonna to switch gears here a little bit. I think you know what's coming here. It's the, the John Wooden quote of the day. I got a good one for you here. Uh, are, are you ready? Are you ready, Coach, for the John Wooden quote of the day? I'm ready. Let's get rocking and rolling. All right. From page 130 of the classic book, Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations. The John Wooden quote of the day is, and be prepared to comment on this here, Jake. So, The time to prepare isn't after you have been given the opportunity. It's long before that opportunity arises. Once the opportunity arises, it's too late to prepare. That is a great quote, and it speaks true to a lot of different things as coaches and players. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great point for players that might be vying for more playing time yep. and making sure that they're earning those game reps and practice reps and preparing to take that next step. Mm-hmm. And I think as coaches, that's a great piece on being as prepared as you can for any opponent any end-of-game situation. And it kind of connects with one of my favorite quotes of, you know, something along the lines of, in times of adversity, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to the level of your preparation. Yeah. So I think that's a great quote, especially for us coaches as we come down to the nitty-gritty of the postseason, is um, being prepared for that big opportunity, whether Mm -hmm. it's a district final, um, a sub-district first-round game. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of great connections to that quote, and it's no surprise that John Wooden listed off another gold nugget there. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he did all right for himself. So, you know, one of the things that uh, I always think about with stuff like that, and, and this is a question I get, uh, and, and I, I know I'll get more of this here over the next two or three months, is, uh, you know, the hiring season, uh, when, when stuff starts flowing there. And... Uh, you know, a lot of coaches want to, you know, there's a lot of assistant coaches that want to be head coaches. But what have you done to prepare yourself to be a head coach while you are an assistant coach? Uh, how are you preparing yourself for interviews? Do you have a vision for your program? Do you have all of these kind of ducks in a row? And uh, a lot of times uh, what I have seen is coaches, uh, especially sometimes, you know, especially with like assistant coaches, um, they they get they they want to be that head coach, but what have you done with your resume to prepare yourself to put yourself into that situation? It, it's not just as easy, and you know just as well as I do, Jake. That that eighteen inch slide over, uh, you think it's all about X's and O's, and to be honest with you, a lot of times you're doing more X's and O's and worrying about the X's and O's as an assistant coach than you are a head coach because you're managing so many different other things as a head coach that it's it's it just changes the whole dynamic of things. So that's that's another realm of coaching that that quote pops into for me uh, because 
you you have to be ready to get that job even before the job pops open, let alone before you apply for it, before you go through the interview process. You have to be prepared for it uh, at, at that point. You know, so that's another thing that it pops in for me as well. One hundred percent agree. You know. Um, all right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's jump into your stuff here. Um, let's talk a little defense here. I I, I, th- I saw a thing. Um, you know, obviously you're a Jim Boone guy. Uh, you're a defensive guy, half court defensive guy. Uh, I believe I, I read a quote that you had in, in the, uh, one of the papers uh, that the the, de- the defensive philosophy is in the DNA of the program here. So I'm excited to hear about the DNA of the superior. Or you guys are the Wildcats, right? We are. Yeah. Okay. I wa- wanted to make sure my Nebraska mascots were accurate. So, so um, but. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your defensive philosophy, how you build it, uh, some drills. You know, just kind of take it in whatever direction you want to, Coach. And I'll try to politely interrupt if I've got a question. But but take us into into your world of, of how you guys play defense there at Superior High. Sure. So first and foremost, Coach, I'm wildly impressed. First, you made a reference towards our undefeated JV season last year from <laughs> deep in the Twitter archives. Now you're finding random articles on defensive quotes. <laughs> so you have done your homework. I'm, I'm impressed. Well, Those you are- know, uh, Google is a wonderful machine, Jake. It is a wonderful, wonderful tool to use. So uh, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And, of course, that connects back to our preparation quote. You yeah. were prepared. Yeah, trying to. So, anyways, Marty, down here in Superior, you know that we're heavily pack line influenced. And... One thing that I think is really important for any defensive culture that any coach is trying to build is I think it's important to have a great mission statement that everybody can get on board with and believe in. And down here in Superior, our mission statement is committing to giving up one contested jump shot or less on each possession. I think sometimes coaches get caught up in trying to stop every single thing defensively that it's just not realistic Mm -hmm. and you're only going to get frustrated. So that's our mission statement that we strive for every single time on the defensive end is to force that one contested jump shot. Mm -hmm. And with that mission statement, we really have three principles that we focus on as kind of our main points of emphasis and stemming hard from Jim Boone, as he likes to call him, know your nose. Yep. Now, Coach Boone has a lot more than we have. We're trying our best to keep it simple down here in Superior. Mm-hmm. But our three no's within our half-court pack line defense are no baseline drives, no paint touches, and no second shots. Okay. We feel like if we could do those three things at a high level, we have a chance to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you guys at Fort Calhoun are doing the pack line. Are you guys more of a zone man team? We do. It's a little bit of a hybrid between kind of like some Texas Tech force baseline sideline with some pack line with some pack line principles of getting in the gap. Um, You know, and we kind of have the same thing. We um, I basically came into the job and I said, "Here's our seven offensive principles, and here's our seven defensive principles," and it ain't going to change. And so you got to figure it out. So uh, full front the post, push baseline, sideline, don't give up middle. Uh, we call it loading to the ball. I mean, you know, 
big help. There's how many different ways you could describe it. Uh, but uh, we want to force jump shots off the bounce is is basically our mantra. And, and, and we tell our girls, don't worry about anybody that, that hits a pull-up jump shot off the bounce. That's it. If they make it, don't worry about it. But no layups, no catch and shoot threes, unless it's scout, you know, specific. Hey, the plum kids in, let them shoot all they want. You know, uh, that was a joke. That was a joke at myself, of course. But, uh, but uh, you know, those are kind of you know. So it's it's a little bit of a hybrid between some Texas Tech, but with some pack line principles in it. Of you know, get in the gap. Always force it. Always force the kick out. We'd rather have kids hit long jump shots than layups against us, uh, because the law of averages will will even that out. So uh, that's kind of you know, in a nutshell, that's what we do. Yeah, and I think it's also important to understand um, and for your players to understand why you're playing that style of defense. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, we want to force the ball to the middle because we really want to avoid those baseline drive rotations and those scramble modes. Okay. And like you touched on kind of being in the gaps, we know the basis of your pack line is to keep teams out of the paint Mm -hmm. Um, for obvious reasons. This year, I just pulled some stats. Teams are shooting 44% from us inside the paint and 22% on us outside of the paint. Mm -hmm. So those are just some things that we really want to focus on as points of emphasis. Um, You mentioned installing this pack line defense. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, you know, and out of that 22% that they scored outside of the paint, I'd be curious to know what percentage were happened because of a paint touch that led to a made shot too. So a lot of times, you know, that's, that's where that starts at. So, uh, sorry, keep going with your stuff there. No, you're right on the money. And when it comes to installation, um, first of all, um, I think it's important to realize that you're not going to be able to install every aspect of every defense quickly. Um, This is not something that we had mastered within the first couple of weeks of my time here. These things are still things that we're practicing and emphasizing and correcting to this day, Uh as you would expect with installing anything. Yep. And we always want to start, I'll just kind of list the order of how we'd like to install our pack line, is we always like to start off with our closeouts. Mm -hmm. We build up into different techniques with how we want to pressure the ball with our on-ball defense. We slowly work into being in the gap, one pass away. What we want to do, two passes away. And then we slowly build into how we need to defend common actions your ball screens, flare screens, etc. Mm-hmm. So is that similar to how you guys have installed your defense, kind of step-by-step? Step, yeah, or? you know, we we really emphasize winning the closeout. Uh, you know, because like you said, and your philosophy is in some ways a lot like mine, but like you said, you're you're saying if, if you want to get, if we're going to get beat, we want to get beat middle, and we're, our kids are like, you know, hell no, we're not getting beat middle. We're going to force a baseline. But mm-hmm. whatever, you know, that's that's why this game is really cool because you can do a lot of things the same way but do it a lot differently. Um, we really emphasize the closeout first and foremost. Um, our base philosophy on that is uh, we'd rather we, – we don't want to have two on the ball, but we'd rather have two on the ball than nobody on the ball. 
which, you know, that doesn't take a basketball genius to figure that out. Um, we, we do, and again, it's just kind of been the, the hand that we're dealt. Um, we've, we've switched everything as well. Uh, and sometimes I sit there and wish, ah, it'd be really nice if we just had Mary on number 10 from Superior all night long and she would just shut her down. But I know we're at the point that that would actually screw it up more than it would help us uh, because we're, it's just, we're at least to the point where that part of it is so ingrained. And, and we really tried to deny, to deny those reversals. Again, we basically our philosophy is we want to put it on that one side and keep it on that one side uh, to help us with, you know, with our, with our lack of inside presence because we have not been a very big team. Now we're, we're getting bigger, we're getting more athletic, but we're still not very, you know, we don't have that six foot post player that can just dominate the paint yet uh, where we, you know, we've got some younger kids that are coming up that we feel like have a chance to do that. So we try to in, install it like that. Uh, we work really heavily on the switches while also maintaining that gap, uh, that gap presence, uh, that gap integrity to again, prevent that ball getting into the lane, especially getting into the the middle area of the lane, the, the nail area, because if it gets there, we're we're all broken down. And if my kids were listening to this right now, they'd be like, "Yes, coach, we know, we know. You don't need to tell us again for the eight hundred and fifty-eight millionth time uh, about that." So, um, so that's kind of that's kind of some of the ways that we do it. And, and you know, like you, I'm in my third year now. It's it's just okay. We got to tweak this. We're not doing this part of the rotation well enough. Like one of the things that we have struggled with this year is. If there's a girl in the corner and we're forcing baseline sideline, we have really struggled with stepping in from that gap from the corner and forcing that kick out to the corner and then having a great closeout to the corner. Now, I hope Ron Colley isn't listening to this right now and they make this adjustment to their scouting report in the eight hours that they'll have to listen to it before we before we get to our game to, uh, tomorrow night. But uh, that's something that we've had to really emphasize the last few weeks because we're, we've we've just struggled with um, just the, you know what I just called the slap. Here we are. We're just slapping. We're just slapping. Slide your feet over. Somebody take a charge. Take a block. Even we'll take a block at this point. Um, yeah, and and that type of thing. So those are kind of where we're at in our teaching progression. Uh, is is just now we feel like we're we're kind of tweaking those things, and we we still have a long ways to go to be as effective as we would like to be. But that's the way any defensive coach is going to feel as well. So that's that's kind of what we have going on. Yeah, and Marty, I also think it's really important defensively to be really specific with your terminology. Yes, one thing that we try to do. Um, we're very detailed when we're installing our our defense. And we really like to use action words with our terminology mm-hmm. to really help, almost in a way, remember it a little bit better. Just like maybe in the classroom yep. where you do some hand signals to remember some things better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always interested in this debate as well with how you're closing out and the technique. Um, here's how we want our kids to technique. And I'd, I'd be interested in and hearing your technique for closeouts, because I know there's different research studies for two hand, one hand, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we're closing out in our pack line, um, we think it's important to sprint three fourths of the way mm-hmm. and begin to break down and chop. Yep. That, um, 
we always want to blind the shooter mm-hmm. with our outside hand. And we would define the outside hand as the hand closest to the sideline. Mm-hmm. And even though it might not be right in the shooter's pocket, we think it gives us great leverage towards forcing teams to go to the middle in our pack line. Okay. Um, we kind of say throw one hand high, one hand low, and then our positioning is really important to us. Mm-hmm. We always want to try our best to straddle our opponent's low leg in regards to its line to the basket. And we always want our tail pointed to the basket. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we think that this allows us to force the offensive player to the middle without giving them mm-hmm. the middle. Yeah. And that's an important distinction that we have to make frequently for our team um, to make sure we're not giving up straight line drives to the hoop. Mm-hmm. Um, we do pretty much the same thing, except uh, we actually come out with the two hands up. Uh, I just believe in just, you know, having those up. And again, we're, we'd rather have them go off the bounce rather than get that catch and shoot up. Uh, just I, I think it's hard for especially girls basketball players to create off the bounce. So anything we can do to make them think that I can't shoot over those hands, um, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, we do the same thing, kind of a two-thirds to three-fourths of the way sprint, then chop the last part of it. Uh Obviously, we're getting on that top side shoulder. You know, again, top side shoulder. Get on that top side shoulder. Funnel it into, uh, you know, what most coaches call the short corner area. Coach Hoiberg calls it the room. We call it the room. And again, you were talking about consistency and verbiage. Uh, on offense, we call it the room. So on defense, we call it the room. On offense, we call it Manhattan. So on defense, we call it Manhattan. So your kids know exactly what it is. And I'm assuming, Jake, what you're doing now at Superior is that that terminology is starting to funnel down into your your lower levels as well. Are, are, are you preaching that as well? Yes, especially on the defensive side. That's something that we're always on the same page with with our junior high coaches, mm-hmm. um, making sure that even though they might not be running a true pack line like we try to do, yeah, at least a lot of that terminology can carry over and we can easily tweak it when they get to us. Yeah, yeah, we're we're doing the – the doing the same thing and my, my junior high coach has done a really good job. You know, our, our junior high kids, we've, we, we've got, uh, you know, two pretty talented eighth graders. Then we've got a couple other kids that are doing a nice job as eighth graders, but our, um, other than those, you know, there, we, we have about three eighth graders on our, on our A team uh, and our other six or seven kids are all seventh graders, but what they did this fall and, and, uh, I want to give a shout out to a, a couple of my my uh, lower level coaches, uh, Jennifer Ross and Ashley Hallberg, they they took our kids. They had them play in an Omaha league. They played in three or four tournaments this fall, and I was really deliberate about you need to call this this. You need to do this that. And I think what my, you know, our kids have started out. One of our really good eighth grade kids has been out until a couple of days ago, and and our kids hit the ground running. And I think we're five and one or six and one in our junior high schedule right now. And I think a lot of that has to do with consistent terminology, running the same drills at the junior high level. Uh, those kids have 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 hit the the ground running. My junior high coach, the, my official junior high coach, has done a great job of implementing what I've asked 
him to do uh, along with his assistant coach. Uh, but I, I think that consistency with what you're doing within your program, whether it's offense, and we're talking a lot about defense right now, uh, that is so, so vitally important. And I think for, I, I really feel like for the first time, you know, my, you know, I'm sure your first year was the same way. I mean, COVID kind of wiped out that first year. You're just hanging on. Uh, you're just happy to be playing varsity games, let alone really worrying a ton about what's going on in your lower levels and things like that. At least that's that's the situation we were in at our place. Um, but in the last year or so, I really feel like we've come a long ways in really uh, putting that verbiage, that terminology, the drill work, all those other things into your program. And I think that's you know big reason uh, that's another big advantage of being in a smaller community in a smaller town where, Hey, you're going to do it the superior wildcat way and, and coach Nanan's way, or you, you know, you can't do it, you know, because here's, this is how we're going to do it. So, uh, it, it, that's, I, I, that's gotta be part of it for you as well. Right. Yeah, no doubt. And just kind of having that consistency and that comfortability really yeah. for when they get to the high school level, where they already feel a sense of knowledge mm-hmm. with what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they don't have to think now. They're just doing what they're supposed to do. You know, um, They don't have to relearn something. They've already learned it. And now they're at the point where, okay, it's tweaking time. And we're going to continue to tweak. Hey, let's just work on this closeout a little bit better. Your, your angle's pretty good, but let's get our hands up or whatever it may be instead of no, 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 you need to shift your whole body this way and you need to do this and th- we want to steer you here, you know, and I, and I think that's the hallmark of any good high school program is that that hopefully that pretty linear teaching mode that you're going through there. So um, what else you got on defense, Jake? We, we kind of yeah, so, went off in some different directions there, but that's cool. So, Yeah, I love talking about defense, man. It's like we mentioned, it's kind of the DNA to what I think any – good high school program should focus on first and foremost mm-hmm. man there's just something about it that gets the juices flowing and uh gosh i think there was a quote by luke yaklik who used yeah. to be the assistant at texas who's now who is now at illinois chicago yep yep and i think he said something along the lines of you've got to have someone on your coaching staff that's a little bit insane when it comes <laughs> to defense at practice yeah <laughs> it's like that guy that's just going over the deep end that's just screaming yelling having a good time yeah and i think there's some sense of truth to that to get the team energized and get the communication flowing i think you gotta have someone that's just a little bit crazy about it well and down here that's me <laughs> <laughs> that's on that guy yeah i'm not sure who who's that for you up in uh uh, well, I'm there for you. I, I, I got enough crazy. I, I'm trying to do it on both sides <laughs> of the ball. So, uh, no, you know, my assistant coaches do a great job and, and, uh, you know, we're, we're just continuing to, 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 to try and grow it uh, a, a little bit at a time. So coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, 
no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, so once we've kind of taught those closeouts and we've gotten really comfortable with the technique and terminology, we're moving away to our gap, one mm-hmm. pass away. And very similar to Jim Boom style, we really want to make sure that we're jumping to the ball on the flight of the ball and getting into our gap inside the pack line. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that the only person that should be outside of the pack line is the person pressuring the ball. Mm-hmm. So when we do jump to the ball and get to our gap inside the pack line, we're still one of those teams that wants to keep an open stance in the gap. Mm-hmm. And we tell our kids to keep their toes on the pack line and we're still focusing on pointing the pistols to ball and man. Yep. Get those hands um, out. Yep. Use that length. Absolutely. Uh, are, right. are, 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 are you telling them this? I, I, tell, I really emphasize my kids because we, we know we're going to foul, but let's not pick up cheap fouls. So let's keep these hands out so that we're not getting silly reaches and things like that. And to try and, you know, and I know one of the big emphasis for Coach Boone is to keep te- teams off the free throw line while also getting mm-hmm. great ball pressure and that type of thing. Is that part of your teaching philosophy as well? Yeah, we really focus on, we say a lot, be big in the gap. Mm-hmm. And what that means for us is staying on our toes, having active hands, and we really want to create the illusion we call our gap a traffic cone. Okay. Just like when you're driving on the street, you're not going to drive into a traffic cone. Yeah. If you're the defender in the gap, you need to be a traffic cone because nobody's want, going to want to drive into you mm-hmm. when your position is your help. Mm-hmm. And um, our positioning is pretty simple. I know some kids, or I should say some programs, like to stay a little bit closer to their man than the ball in the gap. Mm-hmm. But we like to stay about halfway between yep. our man and the ball and kind of form that shallow triangle in the gap. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, we call that our, our you know, we, we, again, the word we use is load. Get loaded to the ball. Get loaded to the ball. My, my assistant, Ginger, she just... Uh, you know, if I had a nickel for every time she said, you know, get in your, get it, get to the load, get to the load, uh, she would have bankrupted the program by now. So, uh, and, and by the way, uh, my, my defense, uh, I, I, I may or may not have had my own defense compared to a traffic cone and the mobility that I had on defense. So that, that's a little PTSD for me there, Jake. So, uh, but, uh, uh, anything else on your defense? Yeah, um, I mean, gosh, there's just a ton. I mean, we could spend all day talking about our help side defense, our baseline drive rotations. You already mentioned full fronting the post. We mm-hmm. do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh. So, yeah, if there's any more intricate details you'd like, I can definitely answer them. Well, but, gosh, I could spend hours upon hours talking about our defense. I, I tell you what, if people want to know more about your defense after you talk about small-sided games – uh, at, right. the, at the third annual of Pen and a Napkin Clinic, um, you can uh, you can do that. Uh, then you can talk to Jake about that defensive stuff because I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about one or two other things that you sent me here. So uh, sure. how, how about how about we dive into that before we before we call it an evening here? So um, hey, let's. Uh, I tell you what, I'm going to give you the chance here, Coach. Um, you want to talk about baseline out of bounds plays? You want to talk about you want to talk about baseline out of bounds plays or you want to talk about statistical analysis? I'm going to give you the choice of one of those two things. Yeah. 
I mean, I think we could definitely dive into some special teams and some baseline philosophies and ideas. Let it rip, man. It's your, it's your world. I'm just living it right now. Tell us, tell us what you got going on. Yeah, so I'd love to hear your thoughts, too. And, you know, one thing I think that's really important when it comes to your baseline plays, your sideline plays, your press break, is making your team understand the importance of those special teams. Mm-hmm. And one thing we always do at the beginning of the year is we make a very strong comparison to special teams of a football team. Yep. And we talk about how many times your favorite football team has lost due to a bad punt mm-hmm. that changed the field position of the game, a missed field goal, a blocked kick. And I think that really helps visualize for our players the importance of these baseline situations. And one of our goals is we'd like to get about six to eight points a game from our baseline out-of-bounds plays. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a pretty steep goal, but I think it really helps our kids understand that we're not running these baseline plays to just get the ball in. Mm-hmm. We are running these baseline plays to score and yep. be aggressive in. Yep. And I think that kind of flips the switch for them at the beginning of the year that – we take these special teams seriously and coach think about how many games we've lost by six to eight points. Oh, sure. Sure. No, that, you know, when, when I took over, I, I was very honest with the kids about, uh, we, we, you know, we call it winning on the margins. And if let's take a look at, you know, one of the things I did with the returners the first year, uh, they had won, they won four games the year before I got here. I said, okay, if we can score just four more points a game, and if we prevent the other team from scoring, let's say, six points a game by by our preparation and understanding what they're running on out-of-bounds plays and things like that, that's a 10-point swing. How many more games would you have won last year with a 10-point swing? And they looked at me, and they are like, like, you know, and I knew the answer. I think they said four. Okay. So that's how we're going to try and win four more games. And, you know, our first year, not to sound like Nostradamus, but we won eight games. And we doubled that by winning on the margins. And I think that was a real eye-opener for our kids of the, the importance of preparation and the importance of understanding why we need to execute these out-of-bounds plays or not allow our opponents to execute their pet out of bounds plays, or if they're going to score off an out of bounds plays, it's because they've hit their third or fourth option on the play or whatever it may be. So we are very heavily invested in uh, baseline out of bounds plays for ourselves and for our opponents. It's the last thing that we talk about before any game. Uh, we do uh, our opponents baseline and sideline out of bounds plays, and then we go into <coughs> excuse me. We go into our last second plays, uh, and that's something I picked up from Coach Finley. Um, was you, you end your your day before a game practice with what are we going to run with twelve seconds left? What are we going to run with eight seconds left? What are we going to run with four seconds left? And that puts that emphasis on them. And you know, early this year we kind of didn't take that as seriously, and it was probably our third or fourth game. We got down to where we were down two with about two and a half seconds left. And we had the ball out of bounds after a made free throw. And I'm like, okay, hey, we're running our we're running our thing here. And uh, we, did, we didn't execute it perfectly, but we did okay. But it was a very easy way early this season to say, this is why we do this. 
This is why we do it. We're not doing it for the heck of it. There's a reason why we're doing it, and we have to do it well. So um, I think it's so vitally important, especially, you know, there's there's not a lot of teams that can kind of um, just not focus on those special teams because they're so talented, uh, winning on the margins. The, the 99 percenters of us have to focus on those margin calls and making sure we're taking care of business there. No doubt. And I think you touched on a great point about end-of-game situations. That's something that I think every coach could strive to do better in, including myself personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the essence of time, you always feel like that should be the last thing you're trying to squeeze in, when in reality, it should probably be a top priority. Yeah. So I think that's a great reminder for any coaches to focus on those end-of-game situations as best you can, because um, it doesn't matter until it matters, you know? Yeah. And, and I think when it comes to those blobs and special teams, when you're emphasizing the importance of those, um, I think X's and O's and strategy-wise, we're firm believers in making sure that all of our blobs start out of the same formation, Yep. whether we're attacking man-to-man and zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, that's nothing groundbreaking, but I think it makes it more difficult to scout. Yep. I think it kind of brings that essence of randomness when teams are scouting and preparing for you. And by golly, Coach Against Man, we love our flat series, our 1-4 low series. Okay. We just think it's so flexible. There's so many things you can do off of it. So that's our preferred formation against man-to-man. Do you guys kind of take that same philosophy with the same formations with different plays? No, we, we keep it all the same. What I try to do or what I've tried to do with our Out of Bounds series is... Uh, and, and this goes for you know most of the sets that we put in is okay. Can we legit run this set against a man or a zone? Because what I want our kids to be able to do is to play as much as they can without thinking about what they're doing. So you know, can we run Curry? against a man or a zone. Well, let's walk through it. Let's see. It. Yep, yep, we can run it against either one. Okay. Can we run corner post against man or zone? Yep, okay, yep, okay. Yeah, that's what we do. Now, do we have just one or two zone-specific sets? Yeah. Um, and, and you're not going to hit that with everything. Like, you know, we played a team last week, and they ran a 1-3-1. One, one. Yeah. You very rarely see one three one, let alone having a set or two to run against a one three one. So, you know, here's here's some basic geometry that we can do against a one three one, and let's attack it by doing this and this and this, and we go from there. Is is kind of our thought process. So so when we put in out of bounds plays, we try to to have it so that okay, if they run man against it, it'll work obviously. But if they're running zone against it, if we tweak it or if we say, hey, screen here or roll here or flash here, it should work. It's got a chance to work against zone as well. And that's the way we we simplify it for our kids so they're not having to, to think too much. Is that's, that's our philosophy anyway. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And really, finding ways to simplify the game for your players is going to make leaps and bounds improvement for you because mm-hmm. by golly these kids got college algebra ffa fbla <laughs> they've got yeah. a million things going on in their lives um so i think if you can simplify 
baseline plays, your offense, your defense, it's only going to pay more dividends in the long run than overloading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I will say we, we installed, so like my first year, we installed probably four out-of-bounds plays that I felt like at the end of the year, we could really run these four out-of-bounds plays. And then last year, we we added a fifth that I feel really, really confident that we can run. Now, this year, now we're up to like six. And, and, and we'll, you know, we'll probably maybe add one more for next year. But God dang, if, if I've got seven out-of-bounds plays and I can't figure out how to run it, well, the, the eighth or the ninth or the tenth one ain't going to matter anyway. You know, so I, I, you know, again, talking about simplifying, if, if you have six or seven out-of-bounds plays that you can run, and I know there's some people that say, well, we only have two, we don't have three. Again, this is what's great about this game. You can have different philosophies on, on different things. We have about six right now. Well, let me think. We have, we have like five, five and a couple of tweaks. Sorry for that math delay there, folks. Um, but we have five. So like next year, if we could put in a, a sixth basic set with a tweak off of that, if, if we can't figure out something to score out of that set between all the scouting that you can do and uh, all the uh, you know different things, the different stuff that you get we're probably in trouble anyway. You know, it's, it's kind of like I tell our kids, here's what we need to do defensively. If this doesn't work, we're going to probably try and do this. If that doesn't work, you know what? We're probably up a creek anyway, so we're just going to have to try and figure out with one of these two things here. And and, and I think that's what a lot of it comes down to. Um, your, your players got to make plays for you. Your players got to make plays, and it's up to you to put them in the, like you said earlier, Jake, put them in the best position that you can. And and then you turn it over to the kids and you put that responsibility on their shoulders. And I don't think it's a responsibility. It's a privilege. I'm not going to try and overcoach you tonight. Go out and have some fun, make some plays, let it rip. And I'll try to chime in a few things along the way. Um, and, and, and that's what we've tried to do. So anything else on baseline stuff? No, Coach. I mean, I think it's important to find creative ways to work on your baseline plays mm-hmm. that aren't 5 on 0 yeah, or ghost or skeleton. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something for coaches to think about as well is how you can practice these special team situations in live practice scenarios. So what do you do? So one of our favorite things that we like to do is we just call it a blob scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And what we'll do is we'll go half full full and we'll start off five on five with a baseline play. Yep. We'll play it live. And then, like I just mentioned, we'll go full court and back, where not only will be we working on our blob to enter that scrimmage, but we'll also have a chance to work on our transition and half-court offense, our half-court defense, and really combine it all into one. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a pretty easy way to work in some baseline plays against live five-on-five competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's nothing groundbreaking. Yeah. But that is one of our favorite ways to practice those reps five-on-five. Yeah. Occasionally we'll do like a, a best of three. All right, orange team, you're going to run three out of bounds plays in a row here. Uh, you got to you got to beat the defense two out of three times in this possession. We're starting with an out of bounds play, but here we go, and and that puts a little money on the line, so to speak. And you know that that seems to help as well. So and again, that's nothing groundbreaking, but best two out of three. Or you know one of the things we really like to do a lot of, and we haven't done it as much this year, uh, just because it's just just been kind of one of those uh, situations. We, we, we just haven't emphasized it enough, and that's something I've got to do a better job for next year. We'll just say up one, down one. 
defense, you're you're up one, you got to get a stop. Defense or offense, you're down one, you got to get a score. All right, we're running number three out of bounds play here, or you know we'll we'll huddle up the 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 offense and say, okay, you're running number three out of bounds play here. You got to score on this possession, or something like that, just to put that you know emphasis on the here and now. We've got to get a stop this possession, and and that's really helped us as well over the years. And again, I haven't done a very good job with that this year. Got to do a much better job with that next year as we start. You know, we're not thinking about that yet, but that's on the list of of, of things there. So. Anything else, Jake? No, Marty, I think that pretty much covers um, blob conversation. I mean, it's just very important to emphasize that and get across to your team that those special teams matter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's go two minutes on statistics. What are you looking at when you're looking at your stats? Oh, sure. So for statistics, we kind of take four specific goals from the offensive end and defensive end. Mm -hmm. And... We kind of like to picture it as the objective for a lesson, just like we would as teachers in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And all of our players have access to all of these different stats and game goals that we're looking for. And although they don't need to know every single game stat that we have goals for, it's good for them to look at these stats after the fact to see what the stats are that are helping us win games. Mm-hmm. So specifically, we kind of feel offensively that if we can turn over, if we can not turn the ball over for less than, how should I rephrase this? Our turnover percentage needs to be less than 17%. Okay. That gives us, you know, a wiggle room from about 12 to 14 turnovers per game. Mm-hmm. If we can shoot over 38% from the field, mm-hmm. if we can have more than 10 assists, and if we can shoot over 65% from the free throw line, we feel like we have a pretty good chance to put ourselves in a good situation offensively. Mm-hmm. On the defensive side of things, we feel like if we can hold teams to less than 21% from three, if we can get 70% of all defensive rebound chances and get more than 13 deflections and more than 11 steals, those are kind of the statistics that we as coaches are looking for that will really increase our percentages of winning basketball games. Mm-hmm. We have kind of a similar type of deal. We have six, uh, three, okay. three of them on offense, three of them on defense. Um, we want to allow 45 or less, 45 points or less every game. And, and really we should probably move that down to 40. Uh, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, we've got a 48 under club too. Yeah. Okay. That'd be perfect. Yeah. Um, 53% of all rebounds uh, we want to get. And again, we're not a very big team. Um, so we, when I was at Scott, I think we had it at 58, but we had bigger teams. We, we, you know, we were just, you know, when you had Sid McDermott at 6'1 or 6'2, you know, it was a little easier to say 58% instead of 53. So let's just hang in there on the boards. Um, and then we want to foul 16 or less times a game. So that's a little Jim Boone for you there. Um, and then offensively, uh, we want to shoot 40% or better. We want to have 15 or less turnovers, and we want to make more free throws than our opponent will attempt. And again, kind of attacking, attacking the glass, attacking the basket, uh, drawing fouls, getting to the free throw line while also not fouling on our side of things. So those are kind of our game in, game out goals. 
And again, something I've got to do a better job of is going is is emphasizing those things with our kids after the completion of our games. I haven't done a very good job with that this year, and I got to do a better job with that next year. So, but again, I hope I'm able to put that off for a while. So, uh, anything else on that, Jake? No, coach. And I think it's important to note that we don't overload our kids with all of these eight categories before every single game. Mm-hmm. It's just something that they have access to, and it's more for us coaches to see. You know, when we do these things well, it greatly increases our odds to win games. And we try to relay that to our players as well. Yep, absolutely. Jake Nonnen, the head girls basketball coach at Superior High School here in Superior, Nebraska. Coach, absolute blast having you on the podcast this week. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming on. Hope you enjoyed it, my man. Oh, gosh, Marty, I appreciate you having me. Um, Big fan. I'm always tuning in the podcast and checking your stuff out on Twitter. So keep growing the game and keep doing the good work. Uh, We all appreciate it. Yeah, I I appreciate it, man. Uh, uh, If folks want to know more about your program, where can they tune in? What can they look up? Yeah, on Twitter, we are at Superior High School Hoops. Um, Facebook, Superior Wildcats Girls Basketball. Um, Give us a follow and... Hopefully you can enjoy some Wildcat updates. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully you're you're down at uh, let's see C two. Uh, you guys would be in one of the high schools in Lincoln for the first round of the state tournament, right? I actually think they might have moved all the first oh, round games that's right. to Devaney. No, that's right. Yes, we got the four days. We got we got the three games in four days this year. Yes, my mistake. Get down to the Bob, Jake. Get down to the Bob and and, and take care of business, my man. So um, it'd be good to see it down there. Uh, you know, if, if you really like what Jake has done, like I said, Jake's going to be one of our speakers at our coaches clinic on Saturday, April the 1st. He's going to do a terrific job and just uh, really excited to have him there. So, uh, Coach, thanks again for coming on tonight. Yeah, of course, Marty. Anytime. I appreciate it. Yep. Uh, if you could hold the line here, we're going to wrap things up here. Again, Jake Nonnen, the uh, head girls basketball coach at Superior High School. I want to thank him for coming on here tonight. A lot of really, really good conversation. I uh, want to thank COSAC Chiropractic, our founding sponsor. Uh, can't thank Dr. He- uh, Dr. Kevin. Dr. Heaven. Uh, he's going to give me crap about that. Dr. Kevin and Dr. Heidi for uh, being our, our, our primary sponsors here. Uh, go check them out, 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter, add a pen and a napkin. Uh, download, rate, review. Again, subscribe. If you could subscribe, that would be so huge. It just helps. The, the numbers keep going up. That means when co- people look up coaching basketball podcasts, uh, if they're dorks like you and me, that's what, the, you know, that, that's what they're looking for. So uh, help us out there. Questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Been a great episode, episode 161 here. Uh, really appreciate Coach coming on here. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.